Welcome to the Fearless Mom Podcast, where our goal is to give practical tips and tools to help moms actually enjoy parenting. Whether you're watching or listening by yourself or you're with a group, we're just so glad that you've joined us. And remember, we never want to add to your already long to-do list. We just want to help you be intentional with what you're already doing. Hi there, Fearless Moms. This is Julie Richard, and I'm here with special guest Mac today. Thank you so much. We're going to be talking about marriage and conflict study that we've done. Yeah, we've had to go and read other books because right. we've we, never had any. We've read a lot <laughs> to prepare for today's podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us, um, whether you're watching or listening. And as always, watching or listening if you're by yourself, we want to remind you that you are not alone, that there are moms here in Austin cheering you on, that Mac and I are cheering you on, yep. and that none of us actually knows what we're doing. We're making it up as we go, and we're learning as we go. But fortunately, we serve the God who does know what's going on, and we yep. continue to uh, trust him and follow his lead. I'm excited to be here. This is fun for me to get to speak into a group that I don't normally get to be a part of, and I just know what happens through Fearless Mom in the lives of moms radiates out so much further than just the moms who are listening. I can't tell you how many men have said to me, I'm so glad my wife is part of Fearless Mom. I'm so glad that my wife is hearing this. It's made the biggest difference, not only in their homes and with their kids, but even in their marriages. And so for me to be able to be here and talk to you and and have this conversation means a lot. So well, thank you. Thank you for always being game to do whatever we ask well, you to do. Well, and that's true because you did say, "Can you do a podcast with me?" and I said, "Yes." And then days later you said, "Oh, and we're going to be talking about conflict." Absolutely. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, change the moms, change the world. Help yep. the moms, help the world. So, um, yeah, we're that's true. We we truly believe that mom sets the tone not only in the home but in the neighborhood, in the community, um, in the school. And everything else. So <laughs> the whole world, really. But really, uh, the not, hand that rocks a cradle. Seriously. So we're going to be talking about conflict today, and we're going to talk about um, conflict in our marriage, what we've learned from it, and all those things. And sometimes when we talk about marriage um, in Fearless Mom, we have a lot of single moms who are yep. listening, and they think, well, I don't need this because, you know, I'm not married right now, or I don't ever plan on being married. I know, though, that you grew up um, with a single mom, so... Tell me how, what value would talking about marriage be to a single mom? It's a great question. I think one of the things that I, I remember noticing, because my parents split up when I was in middle school, but I remember noticing that my mom went out of her way to never denigrate, to never talk down my dad. And I remember that. I mean, and, and so that, that was a lesson that always stuck with me. And so I think... Now, her mother did not ascribe to the same philosophy, but that's different. That was a mom's love for her child and grandchildren. But I think what I learned from my mom was that even though we were a quote-unquote divorced home, a broken home, marriage was still esteemed in our home. I still believed in the institution. I still believed in the ideals of marriage, even though my parents were divorced, largely because of the way my mom responded to the divorce, which was not her choice, not something she desired. Right, right. But she was always very careful to remember, even though she may have been hurt, and, and she was, she remembered that was still our dad. And so, and, and she hoped and prayed that one day we would have healthy marriages, so she wanted us to have a healthy view of marriage. A healthy view of marriage. And I think that was her goal, 
because she felt like you didn't have that model in your home, yeah. but she knew it was significant. And I think you said something there that was important. Um, she taught you to uh, that marriage should be esteemed or to esteem marriage, but that wasn't necessarily the goal. Right. It, it's not as if she taught you your life is full once you marry. Absolutely. Or my life is Absolutely. less full because I'm not married. It was marriage to be is to be esteemed, but not necessarily the be all and end all. Absolutely. And I think I have to say this too. The vast majority of that came because my mom made sure that my brothers and me, she was raising three boys by herself. And she made sure that we stayed tethered to the local church. Right. That right. we were not just people who went to church or showed up. But we were a part of it. It was a part of us. And so that was where we learned and saw so much else. And we saw so many other healthy marriages, even though my mom and dad were divorced. Our mom and dad was divor- were divorced. We saw that it actually can work and be healthy and strong and vibrant and all the things that God wants it to be, even though that wasn't the case in our home. Right. I, I think that is um, that's significant. And a Romans 8.28 thing, even though you came from yeah. a broken home, I believe that in that hurt, you um, learned so much about um, the significance of marriage. And now that is a huge thing that propels you right now as you talk and teach about marriage. Well, no doubt. And and it was also huge just as you and I are married. Right. You know, Absolutely. just as a husband, forget as a pastor, but as a husband, I learned early on. My mom and dad, we were at church all the time when I was a kid and beyond, but I mean, I learned that just because you go to church doesn't mean you have a healthy marriage. Right. You still have to do the things that a healthy marriage requires. And, and, and my mom was very open, and not inappropriately so, but she was very open to say, we let a lot of things slide instead of dealing with them, instead of addressing them. And so once you and I got married, we learned together those things that you still have to do to make the marriage work. Absolutely. To make the marriage healthy. And I think one of those, we know one of those from our study and from our personal experience, one of those is dealing with conflict. Conflict is not a sign of an unhealthy marriage. Right. Conflict is present in healthy marriages. It's about um, how you address the conflict that determines whether or not your marriage is healthy or unhealthy. Right, right. And And, and being willing to have those hard conversations – there was a, a book years and years ago called The Road Less Traveled, and Scott Peck wrote the book, but there was a, t- a phrase, the only thing I remember from the book, it's a very good book, but the only thing I remember is he talks about the tunnel of chaos. Yeah. You have to be willing to enter the tunnel of chaos. And I, when I think of the tunnel of chaos, I think of a sign over the tunnel that says, we need to talk. <laughs> you <laughs> yes. Know? And so yes. you have to be willing to go in there, and when you get in there, there's they're more unknowns than not, but what's on the other side is worth it. And you've got to be willing to go through that in order to get to the good stuff yes. that's worth it. And it's so important to be able to see what's on the other side when right now all you can feel is the chaos. And sometimes to believe. Yeah. Sometimes you can't see it. Right, right. And I think, you know, and we may get into this, we may not, but it, you and I have been in those moments. And, and I think now we sit here at 29 years of wedded bliss it hadn't been that way nonstop. Right. And so you've got to be willing to believe that God can do what you can't see, even though you can't see it. Absolutely. So let's jump in um, and start talking about conflict, which I know sounds so appealing, but it really is when you see that 
um, conflict can be um, used as something that can take your marriage farther. It can be constructive. Absolutely. I think most of the time we think of conflict as destructive, like it's going to hurt and harm the relationship, when in reality, when you come at this from a Christ-centered, a biblical approach, and you have the tools necessary to do it, you understand that this is actually how we get better. Yes. And and that's important, I think. And uh, I think it's significant. You and I have very different personalities. I don't know if you can tell. And very different tendencies very, towards conflict resolution. We have very <laughs> different definitions of conflict. That's true. And so before you even get to conflict resolution, we came to the table with two different definitions of conflict. So forget <laughs> how you resolve it or how you address it. I just feel like, again, I need to say, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> I'm and sorry, me too. I was wrong. <laughs> I did, no, I think that no, I was. we've learned, sometimes. as, as was I sometimes, but we've learned over the years that it's okay that we define it differently. Right. It's okay that what I feel like was a very difficult conversation, you don't even... Notice it's a blip on the screen. It doesn't it's even like show up the on your radar. Temperature today is fifty-eight degrees, right? And you're going fifty-eight, right? And so I, um, I think before we ever got to conflict resolution, I had to understand, and you had to understand, we had different yeah. definitions of what conflict even and was. And a lot of it was how I grew up. A lot of it was personality based, which is just how God wired us up yes. so differently. What a sense of humor God has! But also the homes that we came out of. I, I grew up with two brothers. We could say whatever we felt like in the moment, even how, no matter how wrong it was, and five minutes later be playing together. We were fine. We were like, okay, it's done. Forget it. Well, well, I think you and I had been married for about 10 minutes when I realized you did not appreciate that same style of conflict well, resolution. <laughs> I grew up with two sisters, so very different. And, um, you know, words are heavy. Yeah. Because words are weapons, especially with girls. And so, you know... I obviously read into, read yeah. through all of those things. Um, and so we'll, we'll go ahead and jump in, and I'm sure we'll, we'll hit all these points that we're talking about sure. now, the definition of conflict. Really, you guys, I, I need everybody to get along all the time. Yeah. And so it, it makes me very uneasy. It, I feel very uncomfortable, and I feel very anxious when they're seems to be appears to be when i may when you perceive unrest any unrest and so which, by the way let me just say this too as you talk about yourself thank god that you're here because i desperately need more of that i don't need to be exactly like that but i know my personality i need more of that in me than i naturally I'm, carry i'm glad you feel that way because as much <laughs> as i've tried to address it, it it still it lurks it's always just beneath the surface so why don't you um, start with talking about the object of marriage? So we're going to zoom out, yep. and we're going to look at the object of marriage, and then we're going to zoom in a little bit and talk about how conflict plays into that and, and what are some strategies and some principles we need to remember when in the midst of conflict. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, Simon Sinek has a great book that has become kind of a, a business classic called Start With Why. And it's a great reminder that if you're in business or whatever you're doing, just remember why you're doing what you're doing. And I don't. I think more than anywhere else on the planet, that matters in marriage. Understand the why behind marriage, and understand that the object of marriage, the goal of marriage, is to to create and to demonstrate unity, unity or oneness, to represent Christ's love for the church. And when you understand that, that's that's biblically that's why God 
blesses. That's why God ordained and, and instituted marriage itself was to be a picture, first of all, of his character and his image, which is then carried out between Christ and the church. So when you understand the significance of what marriage ultimately is all about, it's about much more than companionship, procreation, or any of the other things that we normally think of. It's actually all about God. It's not all about me. And I'm going to get into a little bit later on why that's so important, but I think that's a good baseline to begin with and to say the goal of marriage is unity and oneness for the purposes of representing Christ and his love for the church. Ephesians 5, 31 and 32, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, verse 32. <laughs> the greatest understatement in the Bible. In all of Scripture. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Here's the crux of the matter. We're here to represent to the world Christ and the church, right. the relationship there. And so when we are um, stuck in marriage, when we are frustrated in marriage, when we feel like perhaps our conflict has moved to gridlock, a zoom out helps. A, a new perspective helps. And I think especially when you don't see a way through. And that it's easy to get there in marriage. When you get to a place where you're like, okay, we're stuck. I think most of the time you feel like, okay, we can get through this. But sometimes marriages get to the place where you go, I don't know, I don't see how we get through this. Right. I think, again, that reminds you, this isn't all about you. This is where you come back to the Lord. This is where you come back and you say, God, shape me to be more like you to help move this marriage forward in a way that blesses and honors you, God, but also blesses my spouse in a way that helps her to see, helps him to see I'm, a, I'm allowing God to love you through me in spite of me. Yes, and, and we'll do a whole nother session on gridlock. Yeah. That's what the Gottmans call it. When I, I say when we're trying to um, everyday life, it's your way, my way, or our way. Yep. And sometimes you'll hit no way. Yeah. And so that's a whole nother message. So right now we're just going to talk about the everyday conflicts, yeah. the ones that we can resolve, the ones that do require some negotiations, some compromise, some conflict resolution. But we're not going to talk about those big issues in this session. We'll Are do another like session. you having specific moments hit no. your brain right now, now as you, you say that out loud? You're looking at me like I th I'm talking about <laughs> something specific, but I'm really not. Because I'm having several. Like I just think, I just think of all – and here's the beautiful thing, too. Like I think about some of the big ones we've had and the small ones that everybody has, and I'm so grateful to you. I think one of the things that people miss was what's the classic line they misunderestimate in in you because you've got that southern accent and you're smiling and you're joyful, but they don't understand how hard you work. Like you have a work wow. ethic that I have never seen before in my life, and nowhere has it mattered more than in our marriage. And I've been so grateful for that and continue to be, but it's it's being willing to to do the work, whether it's on yourself, on us to do the work of helping me get better. And and it's just well, it I makes feel all the, the same difference. way. I, I think that's something that perhaps we didn't understand sure. going into marriage was the work that it would require, even though people have told us, even though we've heard it a million times, until you experience it yourself, perhaps we thought, well, we may be a little bit different because right. we are pretty compatible and we, we get along we don't disagree about many things. Yeah. But 
um, psychologist, is it Dan or Don? Dan Weil said that when choosing a long-term partner, you will inevitably be choosing a particular set of (laughs) unresolvable problems. What he's saying there is that conflict is a part of every relationship. Um, Any long-term relationship is going to have conflict. It's two different people coming together to work together. And so... Um, constructive conflict is what we're looking for. Constructive, how can we use this conflict to draw us closer together? We know it's going to be part of our marriage. We know it's going to be part of our lives moving forward. And understanding that constructive conflict creates opportunity for unity. And I think I think understanding that you have to, particularly when you're in conflict, you have to redefine a win. What does it mean to win? What, mean, what it means to win in marriage is that our marriage is healthier and stronger yes. going forward. Not that I got my way, necessarily, but it's that we are back on that unity path, that we're back working toward that oneness. Your goal is unity, and that's what we have to keep in mind. Your that's goal is unity. And so that's your long-term vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Our vision is unity, being on the same page. Um, and... When it comes to conflict resolution in marriage, we've been married now for 29 years. We now have a rhythm or habits developed uh, with our conflict resolution. And so earlier in your marriage, if you can get healthy conflict resolution habits into place, you're better off. It's a lot like when we, well, one of our first homes that we moved into, we built. Yeah. It was a small home in a neighborhood, but we got to pick where the sink was, you know, where the oven was, where the refrigerator was going to go. And so we picked all that before they laid the concrete. Yeah. So we picked them and then they did it. And look, boom, there it was. Just how we drew it out. Perfect. Then more recently, I guess the house we moved into maybe 13 years ago. It was already built, but we wanted to make some changes. So I said, well, can we just move the sink right over here? I wanted to move it, um, you know, so it faced the backyard. They go, absolutely. We'll just have to (laughs) dig up this foundation, move the plumbing, uh, switch everything around. And yes, we could do it. But it was going to take a long time, and it was going to be pretty doggone expensive. It's just like conflict resolution in marriage. The earlier you put the habits into place, the healthy habits into place, the easier. And look at that. That worked out. You can change and develop healthy habits after years of unhealthy. Absolutely. But it's going to be expensive, perhaps. Unless you have to cut into concrete the better. Right, right. And it's going to be messy. And that's just part of it. So what we want to do is no matter where you are in your marriage, no matter where you find yourself today, um, is like, let's, let's just dig in and say, our goal is healthy. Our goal is unity. And what can I implement today to get there? And that's what we want to work toward because constructive conflict is opportunity. We didn't say constructive conflict is growth is, but it is opportunity for growth, but we must choose to see it as such and choose to use it as such. And so we're going to dive into the constructive conflict high five. I love it. When you talk about constructive conflict, you want to make sure, and again, I, I, we always go back to Scripture because that, that lasts and it works. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says, Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. That is really hard, particularly if it's an emotional moment. And, and you're really, you feel, maybe you feel offended. Maybe you've actually genuinely been offended. To remember in that moment, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. 
the obvious addendum there is especially your spouse <laughs> to make sure that you're doing that. So the first step in constructive conflict high five is to pause and posture. Pause and posture. Take a pause and check your posture. That classic line, check yourself before you wreck yourself. And I think that is the thing that has made the biggest difference for me. Because like you said earlier, I, I don't mind conflict. I'm happy to wade in and let's just put it all on the table. We'll roll out several grenades and everything's going to, we'll, it, will, it may get messy along the way, but we're going to be better for it. Here we go. And that's maybe not always the right answer. And so what I have learned to do from my own pause and posture because of how I'm wired up is to step back and go, okay, I know this woman. I love this woman. What is the best way for me to love her in this moment in conflict? When I step back and do that, it always helps me to check the words that are coming out of my mouth, the tone that's coming out of my mouth, and to make sure that everything I'm saying is moving us toward that unity goal that we were talking about. And I think we've learned so much in our Own Your Mind business e-course and emote control. Oh, my word. We've learned so much. I've been much. really grateful that you've been studying all that. I'm so glad. But I have learned so much about myself and so much about my feelings, my anger. We know that anger is a secondary emotion. Some people say Anger is always a secondary emotion. At the very least, it's anger is most often usually, a secondary yeah. um, emotion. And, and I think, so, for, let me just say this too, for men, it's usually masking hurt or fear. And we, we do not like to admit either one of those things. Not that women aren't capable of having the same dynamic happen, but usually if a man is mad or responds in anger, there's usually fear or hurt. We, we say that, it. sure, in Fearless Mom, we, we will say all the time that if you're feeling angry, pause and and check your posture because odds are it's not really anger you're feeling. It is, or it's not only anger that you're yeah. feeling. If you dig a little deeper, it is likely you are afraid, you are offended, you are uncertain, you're you hurt. are hurt. And so you want to make sure you check that. Give yourself time to check your own feelings before you begin to articulate them. Yeah. And, and so take a breath, take a break, watch your tone, watch your face. Watch your, and, and so you're responsible your for, face. yes, you're that. <laughs> You're responsible for your facial yeah. expressions. So eye rolls. Yes, all of it. All of the, and, the and so take a breath, take a break, watch your tone, watch your face. And then what we want to do is do that deep breathing. You're moving from your amygdala to your prefrontal cortex. Yeah. And so the deep breathing, the pause, the taking a walk around the block, something as simple as drinking a glass of water slows your breathing down. And so it now uh, decreases your blood pressure and your heart rate. And you can now think logically when you're in that emotional state, when you're feeling all the feels, it's okay to say, I'm feeling a lot of feelings right now. Give me a minute. I want to come back to this. Let me ask you a question because I want to make sure I'm understand. I want to make sure I've got this one because we've talked so much about that you know the amygdala to the prefrontal cortex the the amygdala is is that instinctive right. fight or flight yes. response yes. that you said is there's no rational thought that right. happens in that state not only no rational but thought but the prefrontal cortex is where rational thinking careful decision making choosing your words carefully and wisely and lovingly that all happens prefrontal right yes okay. and problem solving 
and negotiating and compromising. Yeah. Yeah. So there's none of that when you are thinking with your amygdala. So all of that, it, when we say pause and posture, it includes all of that. It involves and affects all of that. And instead of though putting those feelings down, so now that you've identified those feelings in that pause and checking your posture, and you think, oh, I'm really mad. And instead of saying, I shouldn't be angry, stop and go, I am angry. Yeah. Why am I angry? And sometimes anger is a very appropriate response. That's not to say anger is bad. I think some people grew up thinking or learning just even subconsciously, or maybe it was taught, you should never show anger. That's really unhealthy. You, sh- you should be angry sometimes at some things, but you can always choose to be angry in a healthy way. You look at your feelings with curiosity and no judgment. Right, and right. so I am angry right now. I feel angry. We say don't use the being verb, but yeah. use the feeling verb. Um, I feel angry right now. I won't feel angry forever. I feel frustrated right now. I feel sad right now. I feel afraid right now. And look at it with curiosity and judgment and then pray. God, yep. show me if there's any offensive way in me. And then have the conversation. So pause and posture is number one. And then number two, Mac, you explain a little bit more about we over me. Kind of goes back to our first point that we made. It does. And I think it goes back to redefining the when. Because my natural response, and I remember this with our kids when they were little, um, my natural response is to win. Like that's, that's my goal pretty much in life. But particularly if I get into an argument, if I get into conflict, my goal is to get my way. And healthy marriage, healthy conflict redefines that win to say it's we over me. It's to say, how do we move forward in a healthy and a constructive way? One of the things that I think is so fascinating, they have done longitudinal studies over years in marriages, and they've found that 69% of conflict in marriages never gets resolved. 69%. 69%. And I remember the first time I heard that thinking, well, that is terrible. And then I thought, then I started thinking about real world. I go, that actually may be a little low. Because most of the conflict, most of the ways that you and I are different don't really matter. Now, what does matter? For example, um, how we view and handle money, how we think about parenting, how we handle intimacy, all of those things, those are the things that, those are the hills that you got to be really careful about. But so many other things, you know, do you squeeze the tube of toothpaste from the middle or from the end? That's not a hill to die on. Right. And, and we talk a, a lot about those tiny disagreements. And I'm going to get into that now because we're headed to number three. So we did pause and posture, we over me. And so number three is give and take. Mm. And we have to understand that marriage is about give and take. It's not about my way or your way. The goal is our way. And so I think that when we're talking about those things that we disagree on, I think we were teaching on marriage. And I brought up an example that perhaps I'd never brought up to you in person. But we said, um, when we get on an airplane, for instance, yeah, if we're flying, because when you get on Southwest, um, you pick your seat. And right. so we, you know, work, of course, to be in group A. And so back when we used to travel. <laughs> I need to win. Yeah. And so we, we get on the plane. And then if Mac is choosing the seat, Mac is always, I sit in the middle seat no matter what, um, unless we have the whole row to ourselves. So if it's a full flight, I sit in the middle seat and Mac naturally would choose the window seat. Well, I want him to sit on the aisle seat because 
if I need to go to the bathroom. I'm just laughing. How many years did this go I on know. before I even knew that this was a I, conflict? <laughs> I had never said it. I'm not even sure I was aware of yeah. it. And yeah. so um, I want you to sit on the aisle so that I don't have to step over a stranger not if, but when I have to get up and go to the bathroom. <laughs> and so that is one of those things that I'm always going to feel that way. Yeah. You're always going to prefer the window. That is something that we've said, you know what? That is a difference in our marriage. That's a difference about how we think and how we feel about it. And that's okay. But each time we get on an airplane, one of us has to concede. Yes. And so it is... You cannot agree to disagree. Right, you right. have to pick one. We have to pick one. And so that's one of those disagreements that we're never going to come to the same conclusion, but we choose to defer to the other. Right. And it's saying, I know that this is important to you, and so I'm going to sit here. And guess- I'm just laughing because I remember the last time we were on a plane together, I sat on the outside aisle seat, and you said, no, you like the inside. I go, I'm going to sit on the outside. And we had a disagreement about deferring. Right, about deferring, <laughs> like who is going to have to defer. But Who's that's what sweeter? it's about. And it's that's the really same thing close. about a little thing. Okay, something else that bothers you that doesn't bother me. The coat hangers or something hanging on a door, like on a bedroom yeah. door or something hanging on the doorknob. Well, that would never bother me. Right. I don't even, I'm not even sure I would notice a coat hanger. If I put it there, <laughs> I would just get it later. But every time if I'm getting dressed and I put a coat hanger there, I go, oh, that bothers him. I'm going to go, I'm going to go put it in the closet. Or I feel so bad if I see one that I forgot to move. It's not because I now care about it. I don't care about the hanger. I care about you. And therefore, I'm going to remove the hanger. So it's that type of concession. When we talk about give and take, and it is the Gottman's, the Gottman Institute, we quote a lot when talking about, um, you know, uh, relationships because they have done those longitudinal studies and they say it's receiving influence from right, your right. husband or your wife and I you said that that bothered you and so now I'm going to receive that and it's going to influence my decisions moving forward it's saying I don't care about that any more than I did before but I care about you yeah. and therefore I'm going to change that's the give and take and we say all the time about the bids and responding to the bid and how important that is and how you can improve the condition of your marriage and maybe just your perception of the condition Mm -hmm. of your marriage by responding to bids and the responding to the bid the Gottmans will say it's something as little as paying attention to your partner and responding positively if you say um, come look at this video then I stop what I'm doing and I come and look at the video or if I say oh my gosh come read this look what I just read I want you to listen to this you say okay and you come read you may be doing something else but you defer to and you receive the influence because you're saying I don't really care about that video but I care about you (laughs) right right and so the goal is um uh and I think that's a great point though to choose the goal is responding to the bid positively significantly more than negatively and choosing to care yes even though you, you might not have stopped for that video if it had popped up on your feed or whatever it may be but go she liked that she thought that was cute or she thought it was funny or whatever go that's really interesting. I appreciate you sharing that with me. It's choosing to care that I think is so, so, and obviously you have and, to respond, but, but I'm it's choosing, choosing to, to respond. Care, I'm choosing to care about you. Yes. I may never care about that play in the football game that you called me in and you right. rewound it so that I could see that <laughs> incredible catch. Yeah. Yes. 
but I will always care about you. And so even if you don't care about the bid, I care about the person giving the bid. And so give and take. So um, of the high five and high five, remember is a, that's something you do when you've won, when you have a celebration. Yes, it is a celebration. So pause and posture, we over me, give and take. And then the next one, words and tone, words and tone. What do we say all the time that timing and tone are more important than topic. And so your words, pick them carefully. Your tone matters. Be intentional. Take a breath, take a break, watch your tone, watch your face. Make sure you have measured your emotions, that you have um, moved to the front of your brain. You're not um, talking with your amygdala, but with your prefrontal cortex. Give yourself a moment to process everything and to think logically. And again, you cannot problem solve when you're back here. You cannot compromise. You cannot negotiate. What did we say? This is about we over me. And so if I'm bringing up a problem... Even if I feel that it is 100% somebody else's fault, I have to get to a place where I am thinking logically and rationally so that I can articulate right. that constructively. And I think, oh, too— Oh, th- that, that was like a rhythmic sentence That was there. nice. That yeah. was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's important to, to choose to look at your spouse or their words or their thoughts or their actions. Choose generosity of thought— yeah. Toward the other person. You bet. And to be generous and to, to and sometimes you have to choose to assume the best in other people. I think sometimes, particularly like, like going back to our amygdala, when we get hurt, when we get wounded and we, when we relationally kind of turtle up and, and, you know, protect ourselves, our initial reaction is to assume that person doesn't care what I think is doing this only to hurt me or is completely incapable of empathy (laughs) right instead i think it's more again more constructive to pull back and go okay i know she loves me i know she wants us to have a healthy and a great marriage so i'm going to approach this and i'm going to use words that assume the best in her i'm going to assume the best in him because we both want a healthy marriage. neither one of us wants to be married miserable so let's assume the best and have those and be generous of thought toward our spouse. Generosity and kindness. Again, um, the Gottmans have discovered the key to a healthy, a long marriage is generosity and kindness. And that's not just generosity with things or right. generosity um, of time. It is generosity of thought. Yeah. And I think that's pretty significant. So pause and posture. We over me. Give and take. Words and tone. Um I can't say it enough about the tone and about the timing and and being wise and choosing that intentionally. Um, I'm going to read again that scripture. Um, As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united to one. That unity is the goal there. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ loves the church. So again, I say each man must love his wife as himself and the wife must love and respect her husband. And now, Mac, we're going to and this is another session as well. We can't keep going, but wrap up with our last of our five. Yes. Fix and forgive. Fix and forgive. I love the thing that you say all the time, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. I think a lot of times we think of forgiveness as a one-time act, when in reality, sometimes you have to choose to be forgiving over and over again. doesn't mean that the same offense keeps happening, because hopefully 
when we enter into conflict and we say, you did this that hurt me, or I felt hurt because you did this, whatever it may be, the other person chooses to respond and, if I may, chooses to repent and turn from that hurtful action, but it doesn't mean that you forget the hurtful action. You may have to choose to forgive, even though it's not continuing to happen, but it's that, again, I think forgiveness flows out of, out of a generous spirit. Forgiveness is choosing to let the offense go. Forgiveness is not something you do for the other person. Forgiveness is something that is an act of your heart that says, I will not hold on to, I will not harbor resentment, bitterness. I will not hang on to the offense. And that's important to remember that forgiveness is not necessarily forgetting. Forgiveness is not excusing. Right. Forgiveness is not acting like it never happened. Forgiveness is letting go of the resentment and the offense. Yep. And that is significant. And um, I, I do believe we, we definitely have another session coming about gridlock and about forgiveness. And um, those will come later. But thanks so much. We've covered so much today. And you we know did. what? I, I want to say that you are the first to apologize in our marriage. You, yes. When it comes to conflict, you apologize quickly. You are ready to move on quickly. You forgive quickly. I don't know if that's your nature, your personality, but it's something definitely that I recognize. I appreciate you saying that. And that I am slower to apologize and I will say slower to forgive. And it's something that I'm working on that I think I'll always be working on. Um, But again, 30 years in, we uh, see each other's strengths, we see each other's weaknesses, but we're in it for the unity. And I think we also have seen enough now of the good stuff that we understand the benefit of forgiveness. We understand the benefit of of constructive conflict, so we're more willing to do it. I think that's an advantage you have when when God has blessed a marriage and you're enjoying it, you understand what goes into that, and so you're more willing to do it. So the more you do it, the better you become at it. And I will say this about, I think you do a phenomenal job of choosing to engage even when you don't feel like it. You you actually do that's that. And that's when I, I go back to your work, work ethic. I think work ethic in marriage is so underrated and underplayed. And you have it in spades. I mean, you you work hard. You would have to, to well, be married I, to me long I term. I want to close because I, I do think it's important that when people see us now, and yes, we're 30 years in and, and we laugh together and we do get along really well. There was a season in our marriage about seven years in where I looked at you and I said, you know, I think you married the wrong person. Yeah. I don't think that um, I can be what you need. It was a scary time. It was, I was literally looking at that tunnel of chaos going, I, I don't know what's on the other side of this, but um, we have to do something about it. We we want to stay married. We know it's bigger than us. And so, wow, this is going to be fun. <laughs> um, and But we stuck it out and we did the work. And we um, that, I believe, is totally normal. Absolutely. And I think, I think we want to normalize conflict. We want to normalize um, places of gridlock. We want to normalize getting to a point in your marriage where you don't see eye to eye and say, you know what, that is, that is normal. And there is light on the other side. It does take work, but God called you to it. He'll equip you for it. Yeah. And he is there not if, but when you need his help. And we really believe in Christian counseling. We yeah. really believe in being tethered to the church. And not just theoretically. And, and in talking to someone 
if, if that's where you are in your marriage, say it out loud to someone quickly because yeah. the enemy will convince you that you're the only one and that you should be embarrassed and ashamed of that. And shame is like mold. It grows in the dark. And we are here to help as yeah. many moms as possible and to um, empower moms and to empower marriages. And so thanks so much for joining Thank us you. today, Mac. We enjoyed it. And can't wait to have you back, Mac, to talk about gridlock. Wow. <laughs> I get all the fun stuff. That's going to be I? so fun. I can't wait. We hope you guys have a great day. We're so glad you joined us today. You can get more resources and information at fearlessmom.com.